Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Welcome into the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sol, T-Sol, and joining us from the Boiler Express is Russ. What's up? We're, hey, how's it going there, Russ? Great. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Doing yeah, we're looking forward to this game in Lincoln this week against, you know, two what I would call mediocre teams in the Big Ten West. The Wild Wild West doesn't mean you're out of it yet, but we are excited because this is bound to be a good breakdown and it's bound to be a good matchup on Saturday here at 2.30. Yeah, I'm, I'm especially since the Sullies are making the trip out to Lincoln this year, I'm super stoked that they made this an afternoon game because I'm sick and tired of the 11 a.m. games because we've been getting stuck with a lot of those the last couple of years, thanks to our buddy Scott Frost. Yeah, we're in the same boat. And I've got a, uh, we just talked about, it. I've got a three-hour drive to West Lafayette. So yeah, those noon games, that, that hurts trying to get up early enough to get to those games. So yeah, yeah. mid-afternoon games are always good. Yeah, Absolutely. It, 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 it gives you a little bit of the tailgate pregame and a little bit of the tailgate after the game. If it's an 11 a.m. game, you barely have enough time to tailgate before the game. And you're coming out. I mean, as a Husker fan recently, you're coming out of the game pissed off. You're not ready to tailgate at that point. A 2.30 game, it's beautiful. And under the lights at the end of it, you never know what could happen, especially as a home game for the Huskers this week. I think, you know, it could be a great tailgate postgame as well. But yeah, Russ, we got to ask you, like, what are your thoughts so far? What What's your report card for Ryan Walters and and Purdue first year coach, your first year coach, just like we are? Um, you guys definitely had a, a more brutal schedule up to this point than us. You know, we finished a little tougher, but I just want to get your thoughts. Like, what what are you feeling with this team so far? Yeah, I think uh, Jr. over at the Big Ten Huddle just uh, released the list of strength of schedule to this point for all Big Ten teams nationally and uh, we're number one nationally on strength of schedule according to pro football focus so um, it's been a tough start especially for a first year coach Um, but I'm happy I'm more than pleased Um, you know obviously nobody likes to be two and five and have that be their record but we lost a ton you know when Brom left which is it's kind of the nature of college football now is when you lose a head coach he's going to take pieces with him there's guys that are going to transfer because your coach left and then you're going to have incoming previously committed uh, recruits that are now going to open their recruitment back up and go elsewhere. So, you know, it was a pretty rough looking roster depth wise, and it's kind of shown itself so far, but we definitely have some pieces and he has got a really good class coming in next year so far. Um, and he's not done yet with it. We haven't even talked about transfer portal yet. So um, I, I'm happy. Uh, if you talk to our fan base, they're kind of mixed. Um, they don't like losing period. Um, they don't, you know, accept excuses. Um, there's a lot of um, Joe Tiller holdovers, if you're familiar with old school Purdue football, that they just expect to go to a bowl game every single year. And that's just not been the program the last better part of 15, 20 years. So, but I'm, I'm happy. I, I would give him, I'd give him a solid B plus so far. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. You got a new quarterback and he's coming from Texas and Huskin Hudson card. And let me tell you something. That is something familiar for the Huskers, especially last year. We got a Casey Thompson transfer. He kind of battled it out with Hudson card down in Texas and we got him. It almost, I mean, we were coming from Adrian Martinez. He was a great, you know, athlete could make stuff happen. However, he wasn't a great quarterback. So it kind of opened the door for us. I guess, how are you seeing everything this year? Do you think it's a big change from Aiden O'Connell? You think it's a step up? a step down i mean aiden o'connell is playing on sunday so i don't know if hudson card has a has a future on sundays but somebody was doing something right for aiden o'connell there yeah so um the key to hudson card this year has been can we give give him time in the pocket you know that's kind of the key to football you know i feel like i've heard that a lot um at even at the nfl level watching games on sunday that they talk about the key to football is if you can give your quarterback time they all can look good Um, and Hudson cards look good when you give him time and he's obviously got a good pedigree. Um, but you know, again, I'm happy with where he's been so far. You know, he's like top four, top five in passing yards in the conference. And, 
he's looked like pretty much the best, uh, one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the West uh, part of our conference. It's just been about getting in protection. You know, we've had two straight weeks now. We've had offensive linemen taken off the field with an air cast because of some kind of compound fracture season ending injury. And we already aren't deep at that position position. So um, I think the key to our success is, is protecting him. And the, the key for you all this weekend and any team playing us moving forward is, is putting pressure on that, that depleted offensive line. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think he's got a great future. He actually has two more years of eligibility after this year. He is a seasoned guy. He's been around for a while, um, but he came into the season with only like six starts under his belt. So he's, he's got a lot of room for improvement still. Well, Russ, I'll tell you my take with Purdue and struggling uh, with protecting the quarterback, specifically the last two games, because you played two of the best defenses in the conference. I mean, you know, you got to give your hats off to Ohio State and Iowa. They, you know, they're going to be coming at you. And, and you know, you're going to probably play the third toughest defense in the conference in Nebraska. Just kidding. In Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska's good, but I'll give props to Michigan. They killed us too. Y- y'all um, sounded like the turtle heads there for a second. Their podcast. If y'all <laughs> listen to them, they're pretty high on themselves too. So oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's pretty easy to score on a team when you already got their plays. That's true. That's true. Very true. But I, I'll tell you, I am very impressed with uh, Card as a quarterback. I mean, the guy's putting up numbers. He looks great. And ultimately, in Nebraska, we're not putting up any numbers in the passing game, period. So we would kill for those type of numbers right now because our offense seems to be non-existent most days. I would almost come out here and say that this game is honestly – it's huge for the Huskers, but I think it's a bigger game here for Purdue on the road. You're playing a team that is not all that great. I mean, they got a new head coach. There's a lot of doors open here for Purdue, but it is a bigger game because this could either set you back to two and six. And now you're on the outskirts. You're already on the outskirts to look for a bowl game, but now you're like way behind the eight ball. You can't lose one more. Your guys are almost going to be playing on your heels to where if you can get a win here, it's almost like you could get something rolling now, but it all starts with this game for Purdue. I think this is where the season all could come together. You know, you got a new coach, new quarterback, everything could start to click. However, this is against a new, you know, new coach, new quarterback in Nebraska as well. This could, this could very well be a great game and a season changing type of atmosphere at this game, depending on how it comes out. Yeah. Um, coach Walters over the last week, week and a half said that we're basically in playoff mode now. Um, you know, he's not obviously talking about all the rest of the opponents, like what we might, but it's, it's not, it's not a mystery that the rest of our schedule, you know, we've got Michigan and then four other teams that are maybe coin flips. So we've got to win every game besides Michigan. If we want a chance at a bowl game this year. And so are these guys going to come out and play like a cornered raccoon and come out fighting and clawing, or are they going to be, you know, all over the place and disheveled and not know what to do with themselves? So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a defining game for us for this season. Um, I don't know about, you know, the program moving forward, but definitely this season. Uh, if if we lose, you're going to see a lot of Purdue fans on Twitter or X or whatever um, getting pretty down in the mouth um, for sure. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it should be a good game. I think, um, you know, the line I think we were talking about it was two and a half uh, in your guys' favor. And that's that's about where I'd put it. It's It's pretty much home field advantage. And I think it'll be a back and forth game and it's going to be about who blinks first, you know, who makes the first mistake, uh, which offense starts stalling and going three and out first. Um, I think that's, that's where you're going to see the the crack in the armor, but um, I think it should be pretty much a one possession game throughout. Um, And it's, it's going to be, we're we're not going to be able to relax. Neither one of us, I think on, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Russ. And I'll tell you about Vegas and setting all the odds and stuff. The thing that surprised me the most, is the over-under they put, I can't remember if it was 42 or 44. And that surprises me because I don't see the Huskers scoring 20 points. So, and and their defense has played great. So I don't see their defense giving up 20 points either. So I think for all the, the scoopers and the boiler expressers out there, you got to hit the under on that one because I'm telling you, there's no chance that's going to happen for 44 or whatever the over is set at. They must have watched the Illinois game. That's about the only thing I could think of, at least from our end of things, because that's the only game where our offense was was clicking, especially in the second half, to get to 44 points. But, yeah, every other game this year we we have struggled. I mean, outside of Fresno State, the first game was was also pretty good. But um, getting into Big Ten play and Power Five play, like 
yeah, our offense has not been putting up a lot of points yet. Yeah, and yeah, I can tell but... you they 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 weren't watching our Illinois game because we struggled to put up twenty <laughs> against them, and that was pretty much that is our highest scoring game so far against Power Five opponents. That yeah, I'm with Tisa on this. Can't say I'm with him all the time when he's betting, but I am with him on this one. That I think you hammer the under, and you know what? I might even parlay it. Call me stupid. I'm a parlay king, but I I would. My opinion, I parlay it with the home team. Just I'm not taking the points. I'm just parlaying with the home team. I've seen how their offense does, and their field goal kicker is a little sketch, but he finally made one over 40. He's one for four with field goals over 40 yards. So maybe he's getting his stuff together, but I don't know if I'm taking the two and a half, three points. Yeah, and what makes me nervous about Purdue in general coming up to this game is I feel like we don't truly know how good they are because – Obviously, we're not going to put them at the top of the conference because, you know, against the the bigger opponents like Wisconsin and Iowa and, and Ohio State, they lost. But, you know, they go and smoke Illinois, who Illinois beat Maryland. So it's like it's kind of like where are we where are we put in Purdue? We don't know necessarily where Nebraska is. We kind of figure in the West, Nebraska is starting to teeter towards the top half of the West. And I just don't know where Purdue ranks in that. Purdue might be that notch right above Nebraska. We don't know yet because Nebraska's been playing, you know, the Illinois teams and they keep winning. So I wish that we only played Illinois teams this year. And, you know, Purdue happened to beat their one uh, Illinois team as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and Purdue lucked out with this new schedule format that they came out with. Um, Illinois and Indiana are protected opponents. Um, they're, they're both rivalry games. They're both trophy games. So I think that's why they did that. But it definitely, it benefits us because the big Ten's about to get, you know, much tougher, but um, you know, I'd love to get your guys' feel on it because I've seen, you know, a lot of Nebraska fans say certain things about the conference split and the how the divisions have been set up and how they're tired of being in the West and et cetera. But I think the West takes a lot of flack that it doesn't really deserve. Um, and it's because it's compared to the top three on the Eastern side. I get that. But, you know, teams like Maryland and Rutgers that think, oh, if we were in the West, we'd win the West they're combined like three and nine or three and 10 over the last like three seasons against the West. So to me, I see the big 10 as, you know, yeah, you got the big three, but then it's almost every West team. And then you throw in the rest of the East. So that's, I mean, the, the big 10 West really is, and I heard listening to you guys uh, with Northwestern last week, talking about how the big 10 West is definitely something where you, you think your team should be able to win six games for sure. But at the same time, every team in the West is thinking that. And somebody's got to lose the games. So, um, yeah, it's it's um, you know it's it's been interesting being in the West, but you know we get to say goodbye to that next year. So, and we'll we'll really get to put our our money where the mouth is. Yeah, yeah. I guess how my I... my, oh, my my thoughts on that, Russ. I think you hit it. You know, you hit the nail on the head, as they say. The West seems to be all the competitive teams in the Big Ten. Like, yes, we we understand Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, may, maybe you could throw Penn State in there. But I think, again, I think Penn State kind of falls more in the Wisconsin and Iowa category, you know, where, where they're towards the top. But, you know, they're not really competing with Ohio State and Michigan. You know, they, they lose every time they play them. And so if the way that they put the conferences together, you put Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers, all and, and Michigan State, all with Ohio State and Michigan, you know they're going to lose all those games. And, the Big Ten West, if you, you know, flipped in some, you know, for instance, I think it was two weeks ago I was talking about Purdue's record because I saw on Slack you guys were going back and forth with the Ohio pod about about your trophy game or whatever you had going. And then I dove into the stats and, I, you know, I was kind of shocked that you guys play Ohio State tough, probably tougher than anyone else in the conference other than maybe Michigan. And so that, that kind of shocked me because I – I ran back through like the past, I want to say like eight matchups and you guys won three of them. And I'm like, that's in a time when other people are playing Ohio state eight times and losing seven of them, if not all eight of them. So I was actually shocked to actually see that. Yeah. Purdue has more wins against Ohio state since 2000 than any other team in the big 10. 
And T-Saw did put on his tinfoil hat for that. He was diving into the conspiracy of Kevin Warren, wanting two teams to be at the top of the conference and being Ohio State and <laughs> Michigan and the reason they had their schedules picked out. But I do want to jump on here with you. The Big Ten West is 10 times more competitive than the Big Ten East. The East is top heavy. That's all it is. The other guys are going to beat up on each other. Who cares who can beat? It's like the pros playing a high school team at that point. Nobody cares. You know, you're going to go out of that game. You're going to win it. Every single time Michigan is playing these teams, they're a 30 point favorite year in year out. Ohio state's a 30 point favorite year in year out. doesn't matter. You get to the big 10 West. This is where boys become men because this is a competitive atmosphere. You got to go into a hostile environment every single week and know that you're going to be playing a competitive team that has the ability to win. It is a way more competitive atmosphere I think it's a better in depth wise. It is a better side of the conference than the East. If you match up the East to the West, I think the West takes it. I think they're going to lose two to three games. But other than that, I think the West is taking the entire thing. I agree with you there, Jason. And crud. you said something. Oh, about how, how the teams match up. Like, since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten, I don't think I've ever seen them lose to Maryland. They never in team history lost to Rutgers. And I don't remember them ever losing to Indiana. So kind of like what you were saying, like the Big Ten West, you don't get that UMass game. And yes, that's a shot at Penn State in the middle of your schedule. You don't get that because every week somebody's out for blood. Like if you put it all on the line against Iowa next week and you're like, you know, that was everything, you know, we got to kind of settle down a little bit. Northwestern's going to punch you right in the mouth. That's how the Big Ten West is. Meanwhile, in the Big Ten East, you could put it all on the line against Ohio State and go, next week we got Rutgers, you know? <laughs> That's just the way it is. And then we got Indiana after that, and we can kind of get ready for Ohio State because we know that Rutgers and Indiana won't beat us. Exactly. It's a doggy dog kind of world on the West, and that's what we're doing. But I do like that you were bringing up here, Russ, the expansion of the Big Ten, you know, bringing in the new teams. I will say this, that everything's going to change. I think it helps the Pac-12 teams in Washington, Oregon, um, you know, USC and UCLA coming in with other teams that also play that style of football. It's not like when Scott Frost came or just Nebraska joined the Big Ten at that matter, that they were bringing in a whole new style of football. But at that time, Guess what? Every single team you play is now a running power football team that's going to keep the ball away from you and run the clock, wear out your defense, and that's how you're going to win games. Now they're coming in, and they're not just going to have to play these type of teams. They're going to be able to play teams that we're going to see who could score the most points here, and we could get out with a win, which I think helps them at the first, you know, get-go of coming into the conference, you know, their entrance here, and it's going to help them get some wins under their belt. But I think it's going to be a shock to all of their fans when they come in and they see that they are going to have to adapt to the Big Ten style of play. And that is yeah, coming absolutely. from a... Oh, sorry. That is, but that is that is coming from a Husker guy who was coming in and we were all high, you know, almighty. We're coming off the Big 12. We were running it at that point. We were in the Big 12 championship pretty much almost every year in contention to even make it every year. And then we get to the Big 10. We've made the Big 10 championship one time. We beat Wisconsin earlier in that year and they showed us what power football on the big stage in the Big 10 championship looks like. And Nebraska got beat down by 70. Yeah, that was a rough game. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's um yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, like I said, that's maybe what I was, you know, most interested by coming into this season. Um, you don't know if you got were you guys on the Big Ten Huddle season preview show? I was on that one, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I had been on that because the way that, you know, guys like Bacon Wire and the Turtle Heads were just trashing the West, um, just had me like ready to like jump through a wall like run through a wall because it, it it is it's it's ridiculous how 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 competitive the west is and the east just doesn't understand that because you know even maryland you took a shot at penn state maryland's non-conference was like charlotte and towson and virginia you know so like but then they're like hey we're the best team in the big 10 until we lose to somebody and then they lost to high state and then they lost to illinois so it's it's yeah it's um you know, I don't think people understand how tough the Big Ten can be, especially the West, until they get involved. And, 
you know, your especially your case, like you said, coming off the Big 12 championship um, and a Big 12 competitive top-level team to then coming into the Big 10 West, or not Big 10 West, it, it was legends and leaders at that time. But when it got split up to Big 10 West, you guys had to be licking your chops going, oh, you know, this is, this is going to be easy. And I wonder if the Pac-12 is thinking the same thing and – you know, yeah, they're they're ranked high. They're ranked what I think at one point all four of the teams joining us were ranked in the top ten. But um, I don't think they're just going to come into the Big Ten and run rough shot over us. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, Purdue had a home and home with Oregon a few years back when they were still one of the top you know fifteen twenty programs in the country. And yes, we did lose both of them, but they were both one possession games, and one of them I think was in overtime. And at that time, Purdue was like a five to six win, seven win team. So, yeah, the Big Ten, you know, and like you said, it's not all about power football now anymore, but it's still very the top level, very competitive football. And I'd put us up there with the SEC as far as how competitive we actually are. So, yeah, I think the SEC is just I think the SEC is honestly above the Big Ten in the players that they have, the ability these kids can go make. I mean, they're their talent is off the charts and they're athletic and they're big and they got all the speed in the big 10. It's you got power football. You got a little bit of speed, but it's going to mix in. The good coaching is what comes into play. You got to outsmart the other guy because when it comes down to it, your defense, you do not want them out on the field that long because that means the other team's offense is holding onto the ball, running the clock. And in the big 10, we don't care what the score looks like at the end of the day. If you come out with a W it's a W and that's all anyone's ever looking at. And that's what I want to give my props to to Matt Rule about is the last two wins against Northwestern Illinois have been anything but pretty. But guess what? We're winning. And Scott Frost seemed to play a lot of pretty games, but we always lost them. So I don't care how pretty it is or what the stats show, because the stat, I mean, if you just looked at the stats, you would think this is a losing ball club with how, how often they turn the ball over with how like much they struggle to throw the football in general and the, Really, our only play seems that seems to be successful is the quarterback run, and yet we got a winning record. We're four and three, so I think Matt Rule understands a win is a win, and in the Big Ten, that's probably more true than any other conference in the country. Absolutely. So you kind of started to hint at it a little bit there, but how do you feel about how y'all's first year head coach is doing, and what grade would you give him? Right now, I'm going to give him an A. I'm not going to give him an A plus, you know, but. It, it depends how it shakes down. I The only way he's getting an A-plus from me is if we beat Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's not that tough. You should be able to beat them. So that's the only way he's going to get an A-plus from me. But we have a winning record for like the first time in three years, like at some point in the season. And I wasn't expecting to be 4-3 and three at this point. After I watched us get, you know, run off the field by Michigan, I was wondering, you know, did we see all of our wins on the season? And the team responded well on a road game on a Friday night in, in uh, Urbana-Champaign. So I like what I see because I don't think Scott Frost won road football games, I, except for maybe Rutgers. And, you know, that sounds like a jab, but it's true. So I I like what I see so far. I, w- I want to see it keep going. We, we drew the line when we started the season that it had to be six wins. And right now, even if they blow this game to Purdue – it still looks like they should be able to get to six wins or they'll at least be in the opportunity because there's no way they're going to lose to Michigan state and they should be able to handle Maryland as well. So. Yeah. So I do got to say that my grade on uh, Matt rule at this point during the season is a lot better than I thought it was going to be just even a few weeks ago, but definitely before the season, even season even started, I wanted to say I started with a C just based on the guys he was coming in recruiting and everything. But I do got to say after these last two weeks, yes, we beat Illinois and we beat Northwestern, but we're at four and three. I am sitting here and I got to give him a C minus at, I mean, sorry, B minus at this point, but I do want to say that he could get up to, you know, if he makes a bowl game, He's a solid B. If he makes a decent bowl game where we're going to warm weather, B plus, I'll give it to him. But the <laughs> only way that this guy and Matt Rule is making it to an A grade his first year is going to have to be winning the Big Ten West. Do I think that's impossible? No, because I think every team that is in the Big Ten West can still win the Big Ten West. I think the Big Ten West winner will have, you know, three to four losses and be able to 
go into the Big Ten Championship? Do you want to be there? Do you want to get embarrassed on the big stage? Yes, I do. And that is how Matt Rule gets an A grade from Jay Sell himself here on the Sully Scoop. It's got to be going there. But if he doesn't make a bowl game, immediately he is dropping to a D. And, you know, you're going to have to be taking the class again. But if he doesn't win another game throughout the rest of the year, uh, he's fallen down to an F. I think the bare minimum that you could do this season is make a bowl game, especially sitting at four and three with five games left. Yeah, you're kind of describing our season last year, right? We had three conference losses, but we end up getting to the Big Ten championship game where we got, I wouldn't say fully embarrassed because it was a, like, I think a one possession game going into the fourth quarter with Michigan. Um, but yeah, they definitely pulled away at the end, but it was definitely a, situation we were just happy to be there like we didn't expect to win it we were just happy to be there and then um the real shocker came when like three days after that we lost our head coach after just making the big 10 championship game for the first time ever but um yeah uh, i think t-soul was kind of talking about it a little bit and i, I wanted to ask how much of a must win is this game for you all because it's definitely a must win for us unless we're going to shock the world and upset michigan and somehow make a bowl game that way it's definitely a must win for us but you know, with you all, um, you know, you mentioned Michigan State, obviously being a game you guys should pick up, you know, and Maryland is also a game that I think you guys should pick up as well. But, you know, your your last three games are Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa, which I think you all could be competitive in, obviously, because it's the Big Ten West. Those last two games, you beat Iowa last year when Iowa was going to play for the their trip to the Big Ten championship game. But, um, you know, how, how much of a must win is it for you, especially, I guess, Jay Saul, um, T. Saul saying it's not a must must win, but yeah, I got to say right off the get go, it is a must win at this point in the season, because I think if you lose to Purdue, I think you're going to have a tough go against an Iowa and a Wisconsin. And that almost puts you on your heels for a Maryland and Michigan state. Yes, we should win. And I think that is not asking too much to say that we should win that one, but I think Iowa, we beat them last year. So they're going to be coming in with like, Hey, we got to beat these guys type of deal to where it's, that's a toss up game to me. Honestly, Iowa doesn't have an offense, but they didn't have one last year. They still got a great defense, but Wisconsin, on the other hand, they just came back against Illinois in the fourth quarter. That team is a different type of caliber of a team. They're a different, you know, outlook on offense. They're running different schemes, but I think, Nebraska's flaw right now is their passing defense that they're giving up a lot of yards. We saw it against Colorado in the second half in the fourth late in the fourth quarter too. that. If we let a quarterback sit around in the pocket, he's going to torch us through the air to where those, the team in like Wisconsin is going to be a tough one to get. So I think this is a, so to speak, a must win. If you are going to officially market and go bowling. Yeah, I'm with Jason. I definitely put it in the must-win category, but if it was year three, as you were saying, Russ, then it would definitely be in my must-must-win category. It's it's year one. You can kind of shake it off and say, well, you know, this happened to that. But I still would like to see it. I mean, like, it, if we lose, then it would be a shake to my confidence is all. But it's still a, a conference game at home, and you're favored. You might not be favored by a lot, but you are favored. You got to take care of those types types of games at home i mean anything can happen on the road and anything can happen in a conference or you know a rivalry game but ultimately when i look at it your favorite you're at home it's a conference game you got to win these types of games i agree i agree so how confident are you guys with your rushing game obviously you guys aren't terribly confident you said earlier with the passing game it put up a little hard yards but you know iowa kind of showed they beat us and they didn't complete a pass to wide receiver so if you're able to get just enough on the ground game and play, you know, solid borderline elite defense, you guys can beat us without having a passing game. Well, I do want to say that could be possible. If I was out there as the OC, we would not be passing the ball. We would be running the RPOs, even though we wouldn't get to the, you know, the O or the P, I, I rather. But we would just be running the ball, run the option, the speed option to the outside. You got a big quarterback. You got a big running back who was our starter last year run the ball behind your offensive line who doesn't give you time to pass the ball and it's not like we have a great passer back in the pocket either it doesn't matter which quarterback is in there for us but I think that is where the game needs to be won for the Huskers but don't be surprised when the Huskers come out and they first down rush it get 12 yards second second first down they rush it they get 10 yards next thing you know three quick passes and we're punting the ball to Purdue 
I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the issue that we've had is more so with Satterfield and his offensive play calling. Some of his schemes don't seem to be working. And I mean, you, you could jump all the way back to the Colorado game. We're running motion with the wide receiver in front of Jeff Sims when he was still the QB and the center's hiking the ball right when the guy's there. And, you know, we had two fumbles on two different drives because of it. So he just doesn't seem to be fixing his mistakes that he's making out there. And that's kind of the issue we have with him. Our, our best play is the, is rushing with the quarterback. And so I need to see um, Harbaugh run the ball at least 15 times in the game. You know, I preferably he'd be in the twenties and, you know, uh, we'd have, you know, Emmett Johnson and Anthony Grant also with 10 carries each or, you know, one of them with 15 and one of them with eight or something like that. But that's what we need to do. We need to be heavy rushing because our wide receiver, our, our passing game isn't going to happen unless Purdue is biting 100% on the run and you do a play action and burn the safety who bit. That's that's the only way the passing game is going to happen. Well, you're, you're not going to burn our safety, I don't think. Um, have you guys watched any Purdue defense this year? Uh, here and there. Um, let's see. So, so get ready for – you said you're going to the game, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll be in so you'll game. be that much more impressed. So if you're watching the Purdue games on TV, when they're on defense, a lot of times you might think we only have 10 guys on defense because that's our play style on defense. We put 10 guys within two or three yards of the line of scrimmage, and then our safety plays like 20, 25 yards off the line of scrimmage. It's almost like if you play Madden and you remember the the punt return safe man play where like everybody's mm-hmm. on the line of scrimmage, you got a punt return way deep. That's almost borderline what our defense looks like. So we have limited the big plays because of that because we can't really get burnt when your guy is, you know, in punt return position. Um, but that is how we've been beat, um, what you kind of described, the getting us to bite on the run and then hitting us for a 15-yard gasher, 20-yard gasher. So that, that if your guys can pull that off, that's, that's our weak point on our defense, I believe. Um, you know, we did good against Altmaier in Illinois. I think that's what kind of had our defense take off. Um, Walters took over the play calling on our defense. He wasn't calling it um, the first few plays or first few games of the season. He took over in that game, and then you saw what happened. Like, it was basically a, probably our best game of the year. Um, but then, you know, Ohio State, you know, Iowa happened since then, and those were just different style offenses. And McCord, McCord ran the ball okay on us, but it's because I don't think we game plan for that at all. I think Harburg is obviously something, you know, that's – like you said, his strong suit is running the ball more than passing the ball. And so I think we'll be ready with that. But if he can execute, you know, setting up, getting us to bite on the run, getting us to bite on the run, and then start hitting us over the top, I think that's how you guys beat us on offense. Um, defensively, if you guys – I don't know what your pass rush is like this year, but if you guys can get to Hudson Card, that's been the recipe. If we can keep him clean in the pocket, he has torn people up, and you've seen some of the numbers that he's put up. But um, when he can – when he gets hit and gets hurried – we go three and out a lot and it gets ugly real fast. So yeah. I would say that's our biggest, that's our best part of our defense is definitely, you know, the D line, so to speak, that they well, have right. been able to get pressure and everything <laughs> that that is our best thing. But at the same point, our safeties and our corners, they love to get burnt and they love to get burnt bad to where there was even a play last week that this game should be, you know, over. We should have, be covering the points. All of a sudden they, the quarterback Sullivan for Northwestern steps up in the pocket, misses, and we had a missed sack right there. Two guys miss, and then all of a sudden he steps up in the pocket, hits a guy down the field for 50-yard gain, which honestly could have been a touchdown if the ball was a little bit better. But, it, you know, the wide receiver had to wait for it. He ended up catching it at, like, the 17-yard line and got tackled at the 10, I want to say. Yeah, and the reason – as Jay Saul said that our defensive line is a strong suit is because of our just fantastic schemes that we're running out there with uh, Tony white, because he, every play we have about six guys line up on the pretty much on the defensive line. And you don't know who's coming and who's not. And because of that, a lot of guys get one-on-one uh, blocking schemes. And, and some of these guys are good enough to where they probably would draw a double team every play had they not shown you know six or seven guys at the line on almost every play so that's kind of where it comes from and the guy to watch out for is big number zero in the middle because i mean that guy feasts on offensive line 
Nash Hutchmacher. He's like a ex like all state wrestler from either Minnesota or North Dakota. He's one or the other, but he's like a guy who like never lost a wrestling match in high school. Yeah, he can he will beat two guys. If he's double teamed, don't be surprised if he's pushing through, even against like mm-hmm. good big offensive linemen that he is making our guy on the outside. He used to be our day one of our D tackles and Ty Robinson. He is making this guy stand out now that he isn't the one getting double teamed because if Ty Robinson was double teamed, he couldn't get off. And it was almost like he was out of the game. He wasn't even on the field at this point. But with Nash Huttmacher getting the double teams that it is opening up the field for the rest of the D line, which I think is helping a lot. But yes, T kind of alluded there with Tony white. There's one thing I do like to highlight from Tony white is that this game against Northwestern, we give Northwestern the ball back. You know, it's a two minute offense. Most teams, they drop back to the prevent. You gotta, you gotta get a touchdown to beat us. So they go to the prevent. Tony white didn't change his scheme. You're giving up nine points all day to Northwestern. That is one thing I like to see because I'm even watching, you know, Pac-12 after dark. That's that's one of my hobbies on Saturday night, you know, because football's still going. I got a game to bet on. That's what I like to do. And all of a sudden, it's like Colorado's getting the ball back here. Uh, you hammer Colorado because, you know, these other teams, they flip it to the prevent. And if you're going to give Sanders the, in the pocket uh, all day and – you got like Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver, and Travis Hunter on the outside, the best athletes on the field when they take the field. You're just going to let them use their legs. Of course, you're going to get burned to where that is one thing I have liked about this defense so far. And just well, to kind of give you a taste of how last week went for the defense, because again, our offense is a struggle bus. The, the thing that gives us confidence every game is this defensive line. Northwestern felt the defensive line because we ended the game with eight sacks against those guys. And so it's like, if they show out and and get the sacks, that's the kind of defense that that's, that's the stronghold because the, the corners and safeties are, you know, benefiting a lot off that because they don't have to hold their coverage as long. Well, my, my confidence level for the game just dropped about 20 points here. And you guys (laughs) talk about that because the, the one, point of solace i can find in that is our best offensive lineman is our center um gus hartwig he's very experienced and you know he should be healthy especially off the bye week he didn't play the first couple of games i think he played this the third game i think it was his first game but he he is our best offensive lineman and he is a bear like you know he's he's kind of entered purdue folklore for some people like he wrestles grizzlies in the offseason so <laughs> hopefully he can he can stem the tide a little bit uh but you know, that also makes me agree with you, T Soul, on hammering the under big time on this game, then, because you could be looking at another another 17 to 9, you know, 15 11, 15 10, just really ugly looking score. Um, that just comes down to who can break away a big play. Um, you know, luckily we're not facing Trey Palmer. I'm really glad to to not have to worry <laughs> about that. Um, that game last year was like probably one of the most frustrating games for me to watch because I know me and the other guys on Boulder Express were just yelling like they've only got one dude. Just just guard him. Just do something. Like how does he continue to just tear us up? Uh, but we've had receivers like that in the past as well. And and if he can, you know, hearing you hearing you say that your DBs like the Burnt Deion Burks is the fastest dude on our team, and he I think the it was like the second or third play of the year. I think it was third play of the year because it was third down. He took a he made a seventy six yard house call against Fresno State. And he's got the wheels and he bounces off dudes if you get in the ball in space. So um, himself and Tyrone Tracy, I think if we can get the ball to them before Hudson Card gets, you know, thrown on his backside, then I, I like our offensive chances in this game. Uh, but if, yeah, if if that defensive line performs the way you guys are talking them up, I think it could be a really, um, really slug it out, drag it out, um, Big Ten West <laughs> style of game for sure. So. Yeah, and don't also don't be shocked if the Huskers help you out in in some form or another. Like for instance, a Northwestern ended up scoring nine points. Six of them were set up because of Harburg, and he can't you know see the difference between a purple and a red jersey. Uh, he threw a pick at the twenty yard line, so Northwestern was already in field goal range, and the defense held him to a field goal. And then I think the other interception was at the 50. So they only needed like 20 yards for a legit field goal. So the defense is what gives us confidence, but you almost wish the defense has the ball. Like we, we just <laughs> want a touchdown from the offense. And then we just want the defense on the field, the entire game, because the offense seems to screw up 
more like that they'll fumble or they'll lose like 10 yards or you know 15 yards and next thing you know like the other team's got the ball at the 40 and it's like great now the defense has to hold them again you know it's makes me think of uh the water boy like one of us (laughs) is going to get the lead and they just kneel the ball and then punt it because you can't beat us (laughs) if we're on defense yeah (laughs) that's how it feels and and you know we we've been there before when like Nandamakan Sue was playing for Nebraska. We've been there before. We our offense was incompetent those years as well. But those years we still had a good rushing attack. You know, with running backs and or quarterback runs, we couldn't throw the ball those years. This year we struggled to run with running backs, we struggled to throw the ball with a quarterback, and we struggled to just hold on to the football. Yeah, so I didn't plan this, so I, I'm sorry if I got this wrong because I didn't do my homework on this situation, but you just gave me a flashback to watching the big – I think it was the Big 12 championship game and Dominican Sue, Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. Did you, you guys lost that like 13-12, to 12, right? We got screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, we got one screwed. Dominican Sue almost killed Colt McCoy, and they some for some reason gave them a second to kick the field goal win, and Dominican Sue should have won that game for y'all. I remember I that game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then well, the, that is because the, Texas brought in the refs. Texas was hiring everyone in the Big 12 that they kind of – they held the, the keys to the castle there, which is surprising yeah. why they're leaving. And right. then and then the season after that, Nebraska went back to the Big 12 championship and uh, got screwed again by the refs with Oklahoma. It was something like where the penalty margin was like Nebraska had 15 penalties and Oklahoma had one, and it was a false start type of thing. Like, <laughs> it just – completely dictated by the refs in that game not saying that the team was very disciplined under Bo Pelini but you know I mean come on there's holdings and stuff you know there's hand checks down the field they were calling it one way yeah well who cares about uh discipline when you're coming out with wins and in the championship game let me tell you I'm pretty sure almost everyone in Nebraska would go back to the Bo Pelini days for that um so well I don't I don't I have any more football questions or breakdown for you guys but i do have a question you guys watch nebraska basketball at all do you guys even talk about it <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. we tuned into some games i i do watch some games in the of nebraska ball but really all we have is tomanaga and his three ball if he's not <laughs> shooting the ball you turn the you turn the tv off because that is the only guy that you want to see on nebraska yeah, so you guys talked about some of the interesting positions you got put in on the uh, Big Ten huddle for the football preview. We just did the basketball preview, so if y'all are basketball fans and do want to check it out, uh, go see that. It just went live tonight. And I got the assignment of talking about Nebraska basketball this year. So, yeah, Tomonaga, yeah, he's definitely going to be the reason you guys succeed or fail this year. Um, you know, you, you guys got a couple other pieces coming back, and you guys are lucky. So if you guys watch basketball – the top four teams going into this year are – it's kind of consensus agreed upon that it's Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, and Illinois. And Nebraska only plays each of those teams once this year in basketball. So you guys have a very favorable schedule. And if Tominaga can get hot like he did at the end of last season, you know, you know basketball might pick up some steam for you all this year. Yeah, I, I kind of like – for me, it depends on that Creighton game. Like, because they play Creighton every year. If they get run off the court by Creighton, I know they're screwed going into Big Ten play. Hey, you beat if them all last year. I, I'd pick y'all I, to beat them this year too. Yeah, that's the that's the that's kind of where I was going with it. They beat Creighton last year, and so I was like, oh, holy crap, we haven't beat these guys in forever. Because usually, you just look for them to be competitive against Creighton. They beat them, and so I was getting ready for it. And then I think they opened up Big Ten play, and we're just struggling. And I was like, ah, oh, great, back to the normal Fred Hoidberg, like when he was with the Bulls. But they he got hot at the end of the season, so. Pay attention. I I just don't I just don't invest every game because it's like, do I really want to sit there and just be frustrated, you know, like every other night? <laughs> Not really. He could really only handle it one Saturday at a time right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Can't even say, oh, I'll just tune to football. Now it's out turn to the women's volleyball because that's the only thing we got going for us. Hey, y'all set a world record. So yeah, and we just took over first place, actually, just beat Wisconsin. And we beat Stanford this year, which is the first time in, I want to say, 20-something years that we beat Stanford at Stanford. I think the last time was like 01 or something. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a dynasty they got going, just waiting for John <laughs> Cook to get hired as the football coach. <laughs> but, Russ, I do have a question for you. 
Mm-hmm. What are I want to get your thoughts on the Louisville football team with your old coach there? Are you cheering <laughs> for him? Or are you cheering against them? Do you hope that whole city burns? What's going on there? So I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask that um, because uh, as we talked before we went on, I actually live just north of Louisville and I I work in Louisville. Um, my wife is a U of L grad. My brother in law played on the Louisville football team, so uh, I I'm actually a fan of Louisville. Um, you know, they're not, their success does not bother me at all. I, I'm actually a big fan of Jeff Brom still. Now, uh, the majority of the Purdue fan base is not happy. <laughs> the majority of the Purdue fan base basically thinks, hey, if we lose, they need to lose as well. Like, I don't care what our record is as long as Louisville's doing worse than us at this point. But um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. I mean, I he is... You know, he's Louisville's Scott Frost, but actually being successful at this point. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we always knew we were going to lose him at some point. But I think what made Purdue fans the most bitter was the fact that we went from, you know, ascending the mountain and making the Big Ten championship game to three days later, he's gone. And then, you know, all these dudes are leading for the draft. And then a bunch of guys enter the, enter the transfer portal. Half our team opts out of the bowl game and we get st- Stomped. It's like one of the most embarrassing losses in Purdue football history, 63 to seven to LSU in our bowl game. And it kind of left us reeling. And yeah, a lot of people were very bitter about Louisville, but not, I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm glad that he's doing well. I'm glad that he's back in his, his alma mater and, and doing well. So. Yeah, I totally get that. I get both sides of it, but ultimately, you know, you can't fault a guy for, for springboarding after, you know, he puts up the best, coaching year of his career and you know because you, you see it all the time where, where guys you know seem to max out with you know nine or ten wins and then everyone in the country who's looking for a coach is wants to give that guy a call and they're like no 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 i'm gonna stay here for another year because they think they're gonna get better and then all of a sudden they turn into like baylor and drop off the table or who, who are the other ones out of the big 12 iowa state who fell off the table and now i think he's in the hot seat when Last year, people were talking like maybe Nebraska needs to go after him. No, Nebraska doesn't need to go after any Iowa State football coaches. I can tell you that. Same thing with Kansas, but that's a different story because, I mean, getting seven wins at Kansas is a big deal. Yeah, one thing I remind Purdue fans, too, that have such a short memory is two years into Purdue, uh, Bobby Petrino got let go in, in Louisville. And everybody was calling for Jeff Brom to come then because after his first two years at Purdue, you know, we went, he was six win team both years, which isn't, isn't great for a Purdue a football program, but for Purdue, you know, we won what, like four big 10 games combined over the four previous years before Brom came there. So it was a pretty big turnaround to go to bowl games and back to back years, his first two years there, but he turned down Louisville um, and basically pissed off most of his family in doing so. Because he was saying, look, I just started at Purdue. I'm not trying to pull the rug out from under them. Supposedly behind the scenes, like half the, the team was going to transfer with him if he left. And he was like, look, I'm not trying to destroy them. And I, I can't imagine how hard that was when his whole family wanted him to move back home. He still lived in Louisville. Like he had a house both in Louisville and West Lafayette. Um, his kids were still going to school in Louisville. And for him to turn them down and say, no, I need to finish building what I'm I'm doing here. And then wait for what I think was the right time. It just the timing sucked being two days after the Big Ten championship game. But you know, after six years and building our program up to getting the championship game, I I have no problem with him leaving that way, especially the way that he turned them down. You know, two two years in, it was ten year at Purdue. So, well, there you go. See, I I didn't even know that. So he kind of finished what he was there, what what he set out to do at Purdue. He won the West and made a Big Ten championship. And there's a couple teams like Nebraska who haven't been able to do that in winning the West. Absolutely. So I guess before we get going here, I or get off of here, we got to get the score predictions for this game in Lincoln on a Saturday mid-evening. I mean, this is the perfect prime time. This is JSOL's prime time, you know, best spot for a football game to take place in Lincoln, 2.30. We're drinking before, we're drinking after. Should be a good game between two mediocre Big Ten teams, as I said before. <laughs> oh, so you want me to go well, first? Or? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. I just kind of open it. Let's see what you guys got going. Uh, so I think my score prediction in my head has been like ticking back and forth as we talk about 
<laughs> our offenses and defenses and how things have gone. And it initially started out where I thought it might break out in the offense on grass uh, or uh, basketball on grass, as they would call it. But talking more about the defenses and our offensive struggles on both sides, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it, it, it's going to be, like I said, most recently, I think it's going to be, I'll say, I'll say 16, 13, and I got to pick my boilers, but you know, I, I really think it is going to be one of those ugly defensive battle games. And I, I, I think half the points on both sides could be scored on what you're talking about with the short fields, you know, the turnovers and in, in negative territory. Um, and yeah, I, I can see us struggling to get anything going on offense because we can't protect the card. And I see us on defense doing a really good job of, you know, keeping Harburg in that running game under wraps and, it just being a really, really kind of slow, boring, you know, slug it out Big Ten West game. Well, yeah, I'm with you there. And I, I'm basing my points and picks solely on Nebraska. I, I know that Purdue is going to have a better offense than what we saw from Northwestern. So I'm going to slide them in there at 14 points because I could just see them getting just – two long touchdowns or like you said, maybe, maybe it's a turnover and it's just a quick 15 yard score on the very next play that it just wouldn't shock me. But Purdue seems to have that lightning against Nebraska where it's like you give the ball to your running back and next thing you know, he's going 75 yards for a touchdown. So I'm going to pick 14 for Purdue. I'm going to pick 16 for Nebraska. I'm going to say Nebraska wins, but they don't cover the two and a half. Yeah, I got to say, I think the Huskers come out on top here. It's a home game for the Huskers in Lincoln in front of the big red faithful that I think the Huskers are going to come on on top. I think it's going to be a 14-13 with Purdue getting two field goals off of the short, you know, short field after two turnovers from Harburg that our defense is going to lock up and stop them from getting in. But they're ultimately going to get some points on the board from it. But I want to say thanks for joining us for another week of the Sully Scoop. You're here with Jason T-Sol, and joining us from the Boiler Express is Russ. And uh, Russ, where can uh, the Sully Scoopers, all Scoopers listening, where can they catch the the Boiler Express at? Yeah, so uh, anywhere you find podcasts, search Boiler Express um, on X or Twitter and Instagram. It's Boiler underscore Express. And we try to get something out each week. We do basketball and football. Uh, we also talk about some random things. We have former players on uh, this week's episode, especially we had uh, Stuart Schweiger and Chucky O'Keefer and just kind of just talked about random things in Purdue and not, not anything to do even with this week's game against Nebraska. So yeah, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. Go big red. Boiler up. <laughs>